0: Welcome to Dr. Oklahoma, a podcast that shines a light on uniquely Oklahoman health challenges and situations by chatting with Integris medical professionals who live here, work here, and are willing to lend their time and expertise to all of our listeners. Today, we're joined by Jared Cook, a cardiologist for Integris Heart Hospital and Integris Cardiology Clinics. Dr. Cook, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about why heart disease is so prevalent in Oklahoma.
1: I think that with a lot of the diet here in Oklahoma that there's a lot of mixture of dieting and the standard American diet really fits in the Midwest, including Oklahoma, with a lot of carbs, a lot of mixture with meats and fast food and it just, there's no staple to the diet. It's very mixed and not what uh, would be considered healthy.
0: And what about the smoking side of it? I mean, it seems to me that gladly there are less and less people smoking these days, but I'd imagine that smoking still plays its role as well.
1: Smoking plays a huge part in heart disease. You know, if you are a heavy smoker, it is almost inevitable that you will end up with some sort of vascular disease. With that, it has been good, at least since I've been in practice, that I haven't had to see it nearly as much as what I hear about from even five, ten years ago.
0: And that's a good thing tell us what a cardiologist actually does. It's a word I think perhaps a lot of people are familiar with, but don't know exactly what role the cardiologist plays in someone's health journey.
1: The literal translation of cardiologist is just somebody that studies the heart. So um, a doctor of somebody studying the heart. So what we do, our board exams actually considered cardiovascular diseases. So we deal with the entire vascular system, which is a a circuit of blood supply that has its main roles with the heart, the right side feeding the lungs, the left side feeding the body, and all of the tubes, which being the blood vessels that it entails. So we deal with that from both a physical way with our physical exam of the patient's visualization with our different imaging studies that we have extensively improved over the years and then also with some of our invasive and interventional approaches which include catheters, um, echocardiograms where we go in through the esophagus um, as well as stenting of both vessels of the heart as well as vessels in the legs and then now so we even have structural heart so it's uh, those deal with also catheter-based um, interventions. So a cardiologist does have a very wide array of things. We, The thing we don't usually deal with is the surgical aspect of that. So we usually send those over to our colleagues. that are usually cardiovascular or cardiothoracic surgeons. So we do a wide array of things with the heart and the vascular system outside of very invasive surgeries.
0: Excellent. Thank you. So what are some of the more common heart issues that we should be looking for, both in ourselves or in our families? What kind of signs and symptoms should we be looking for that that may suggest it could be time to see certainly a family practitioner, but but even a cardiologist?
1: I think family practitioners definitely play a big role in what we do. I mean, we need them to be the ones to see patients for the vague symptoms and kind of think about the heart. Um, on a daily basis and whether or not this needs to go see a cardiologist so I think that a lot of the symptoms that people should be looking for as far as the heart goes would be initially fatigue fatigue is a very vague thing but long-standing fatigue could definitely be something that's the heart because the heart is what's pumping oxygen throughout the body if you're not getting there that could definitely be a main symptom of heart disease Of course, the chest pressure where you feel just a squeezing of the chest, especially with activity um, on a regular basis, that's definitely something that you should see a cardiologist for. Otherwise, you have vascular stuff where you get a squeezing of the legs even, which is like a cramping every time you do activity with the legs. That can be something with the vascular system. Um, When you go into other sorts of heart diseases such as arrhythmias which are just rhythm problems or electrical problems with the heart. Those can also be fatigue but lightheadedness, dizziness, um, these very vague symptoms are what we deal with on a regular basis and that's why the family physicians really come in handy and really help us to do our job by, you know, ruling out other non-cardiovascular issues to help us to then key in on what we need to with the heart and the vascular system.
0: So once we've got a referral to a cardiologist from a family practitioner, because they've recognized that something's going on, what kind of tests can we expect when we come to see the cardiologist? What kind of detection do you use to find out exactly what it is that's causing these symptoms?
1: one of our most initial tests which has been around for ages is the electrocardiogram or ekg so that can tell us that can tell us quite a few things when it comes to rhythm problems it can tell us certain blockages it can tell us a lot of things just by the squiggly lines on a piece of paper um initially if those aren't there then the physical exam still plays a key part in what we do so even even though the uh the stethoscope is kind of becoming a thing of the past for for some, it's definitely helpful for us in diagnosing what we need to find out in order to guide which tests we would do from there. The most common test that people will probably have from that point moving forward would probably be an echocardiogram, which is just an ultrasound of the heart, the same way you look at a baby through the stomach, you look at the heart through the chest, and we can tell a lot with the structure and function of the heart and even the blood flow throughout the heart and make sure that everything's moving the way that it should uh, with the echocardiogram. Another common test would be a Holter monitor or a similar type of event monitor where we can actually take that EKG that's only a 10-second long test but watch somebody over from days to weeks to months, and now we even have an implantable loop recorder, which can last for years, where we can just watch the rhythm of a patient to see what's going on. So I think that those are going to be our most common tests. Um, Then from there, there's a lot more invasive testing as we move forward, depending on what we find on those initial tests.
0: Do you consider the heart to be amongst the hardiest organs in the human body? Obviously, it's an organ that that takes a lot over time, and so it presents problems later in life. It's a pump as opposed to a lung or kidney that has so many different chemical activities. How do you compare the heart to the other organs, just in a physiological sense?
1: So the heart's a muscle, and it's actually a specialized muscle. So it has kind of a mixture of both the smooth muscle cells as well as the striated muscle cells, the striated muscle cells being the muscles that we all think about, our biceps, our quadriceps and muscles like that smooth muscles being like the diaphragm and those that we don't necessarily think about when we're using them but happen on a regular basis the gut and everything um so the heart kind of takes a mixture of those but it is a muscle so you know it can take a lot it's working all day every day uh hopefully and it can take a lot because of that and just like a muscle, when it gets damaged, you can still use it but if it gets damaged, you have to rest it in certain ways and that's why we have medications to help with that. But um, I would say that it is one of the more specialized organs so that it can withhold a lot but it also needs uh, needs its tender love and care as well.
0: Of course, every heart does, right? Exactly. So as far as it's an organ that is a muscle, what about differences between men and women on both the physiological side, but also just the way that men and women present with heart disease and with difficulties?
1: So it kind of comes down to the just the shape of body. So um, men and women, for the most part on average, it's been shown that they typically will have the same types of symptoms. Um, there are certain things such as certain arrhythmias, which are more common in the different sexes and then when it comes to the classic heart attack symptoms that most people think about when they think of differences between symptoms in men and women, you start thinking about what the differences are and just with the structure of the chest wall, the heart itself doesn't actually have nerves so when most people feel things, they're feeling it very vaguely and so with these vague symptoms, Men will have it just because of where their nerves run slightly different than where women have theirs. So I've seen women have it more going to the neck. Men have it more going down the left arm, but it's still usually just this vague symptom and especially the symptom of impending doom where you just feel like this is not right. Something's way off. I've been having this vague chest tightness or feeling on this left side of my chest for a while, um, that's definitely something that becomes worrisome when we hear that
0: coming from patients. So once you've seen a patient and, you know, you begin to address whatever their particular heart issues are in a medical sense, what is it that you say to patients or how is it that you direct patients as far as doing what they can do to improve their heart condition, both in the present and in the years ahead, from exercise, from diet, from whatever that advice may be?
1: So with diet and exercise, it becomes a big thing. First, we have to make sure that the heart's healthy enough for the patient to do exercise. So um, as, if we once we've got that part down and we know what we believe the patient should be doing, we can then either kind of clear them for everything and say go for it or give them s- slight restrictions depending on what type of heart disease they have. Um, some patients because of large aortas or because of thickened muscle of the heart, shouldn't be lifting heavy weights. So we have certain specific things for different diseases. Um, when it comes to like patients post heart attack, we have a lot of great evidence on cardiac rehab. So they do a three-month structured workout program with exercise physiologists, Watching, th- watching them and making sure that their heart isn't doing anything funky during those three months, uh, three times a week. And so those, are, those have been great. Um, of course, you know, once you get that intense, it's something that needs reimbursement and everything, so that's something that's usually reserved just for those patients. But then you get down to diet, and I'm a huge proponent of the uh, ketogenic diet. There's been a lot of great evidence recently about it. There's The weight loss side of it has been exponentially improving people as far as diabetics and even heart disease, so that part has been great. Then just getting rid of processed foods is kind of going to be the biggest thing. If it's in a box, it's bad, basically. It needs preservatives that aren't going to be good for you, especially sugars and um, salt. So. Getting away from that and getting away from processed foods, fast foods is kind of my big preach to just about every patient, not not only those that have just had heart attacks, but just about every patient. And then when it comes to exercise, I think that once you have a diagnosis of heart disease, your cardiologist should be giving you at least some guidance on what you are able to do, what you should be doing, and what you are not supposed to be doing, definitely.
0: Very nice. So I understand that you're relatively new to the Integris system, but just from your observations and experience to date, how would you describe the Integris offering as far as heart care is concerned to someone who didn't necessarily know the, the level of care and the extent and the depth and breadth of the care that Integris offers?
1: So with, with Integris, I think that I've seen that we have basically all of the resources that any large city would have, um, we have all of the imaging needed for uh, cardiology. We also have cutting-edge technologies when it comes to the structural heart program. So I think that with that, then you bring in the physician side of things, and we have, I mean, I, I've been working with, with these guys for the last four months, and I would send, I mean, I'd send my parents to to them, which I think is kind of the barometer that I use for people that I would refer to is, if I would send my parents to them, then I would send my my patient to them. So we have the resources at our hands through Integris in order to get things done and get things done in both a safe and efficient manner. We have everything. I mean, once once somebody gets sent over from a primary care physician or even a self-referral to the general cardiologist or even the interventional cardiologist whoever they might see first i think that from there we like i was saying with the resources we have we have everything we need to get from point a to point z i mean we if we once we diagnose something we work very closely with the cardiothoracic and cardiovascular surgeons and so we can get things done through them and with them to get things Moving along from there, if we don't need to bring them in and we do things such as stenting or um, arrhythmia treatments, um, we have great electrophysiologists, great interventionalists, CV and CT surgeons. Then we also have advanced care cardiology, which deals with the heart failure patients and the advanced heart failure patients, which can get into um, a side of cardiology which deals with machinery to transplant. So they deal with medications first and then they'll deal with stuff like impella pumps which are pumps that can artificially help the heart to pump blood which then can be implanted in such like an LVAD which is a left ventricular assist device or even an RVAD which is a right ventricular assist device if the right side of the heart is failing. And those can be actually in place of now a heart transplant. So it's almost like having your own heart in there with an artificial pump helping it out. Um, And then we also have heart transplants, which have been uh, a very limited resource only because there's not that many hearts to go around. But um, when, when the heart transplants do happen, it is kind of one of those, great miracles of medicine and then we also have cardiac rehab involved which is which is a great resource for basically anybody with heart disease in order to improve their cardiovascular health through exercise so i think that the continuum of care has been excellent i haven't i mean there's not been a a single thing that i've needed that needs to go somewhere else
0: for anything Dr. Cook, thank you so much. That was excellent. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, join us next time where we'll be busy getting a doctor's advice on how to stay healthy so we can continue living and loving life in our great state. Right here on Dr. Oklahoma.